Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You are now entering a spiz-free zone. No unicorns, no rainbows, no chiropractic fairy tales, just progressive talk for progressive chiropractors. So buckle up and get ready. We're moving the profession forward. And now, your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Forward, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Podcast. My, I am your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Uh, I would like to start with a little commercial before we get started with our special guest today. I want to talk to you about Forward KC, the first annual convention of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It is in Kansas City. Uh, which side of the border? It's Kansas City. Kansas, I believe. Wait, no, Kansas City, you know, like it's right on the border. Kansas City is this weird city that is split into halves with two states. Either way, it's at Cleveland Chiropractic College. Cleveland Chiropractic College was generous enough to be the host facility for our first ever event, uh, June 1st through sec- first through 3rd. Uh, we have a tremendous lineup of speakers, and you can see all that information at forwardthinkingchiro.com. Uh, as you've, if you've been listening to these podcasts, you know that we've been interviewing speakers from time to time. Uh, we have, we're, we're covering basically three tracks in this weekend. We have a, uh, a, a rehab track that has uh, assessment and uh, extremity protocols and soft tissue manipulation with Todd Riddle and Factor. Uh, um, we have a marketing and business track with some great experts uh, like Blake Kalkstein from Kairospark and Kevin Christie and Jeff Langmaid from the Evidence-Based Chiropractor. And uh, uh, we've got evidence sprinkled in with all that. And then we've got a business and practices uh, track that has, <clears throat> uh, we got Greg Friedman, who's probably the, the most entertaining and expertise related person for the documentation side of things and Michael Massey who knows a ton about Medicare his podcast is gonna was just released uh, not too long ago with me and uh, one of the most special guests that we have is a, uh, a renowned speaker on the topic of radiology oh. and he's joining me today uh, and his name is Cliff Tao Dr. Tao that's how you say it right that's how you say it. It's not Clifford or that is my full name. So yeah. I'll, I'll respond to that. That's professional. I, Clifford, almost yeah. too professional. So I, and you, I are, you are a diplomat of the American board of chiropractic radiology, a DAC bar, correct? I am. That is correct. Where, uh, where did you undergo this process? Where do you do the DAC bar training? Uh, I did mine at LACC uh, and slash or SCU. Uh, I do have a funny story uh-huh. about it because I went to National in Chicago and I was supposed to go to the radiology residency there, but, and you know, I didn't want to move. It was convenient. I like Chicago, but they're undergoing budget cuts at the time, which I guess every school goes through at some point in time or almost regularly, it seems. <laughs> and they cut the radiology residency spot, which. Oh, wow. I thought, you know, if you're going to cut anybody, why don't you cut people who actually make a lot more money? But anyway, that's how I ended up at LACC is because they, uh, they cut the, the spot that I was supposed to take. What, 
what is your opinion of the of the process the training for DAC bars is it uh on a scale of zero to ten how rigorous is it well i mean do you, you know, have a do you have a perspective like what would be the level of rigorousness compared to a standard radiology program you know so i have a little bit of experience of, of how the medical guys go through and you know one one way to look at it is is the number of hours they have to put in and you know i think several years ago the their governing body i don't know what they're called but they had to put a limit on how many hours these residents had to go through and the limit was 80 hours a week and i thought well wait a minute that's the limit uh, <laughs> and and plus they could get they could make them work more than 80 hours if they could prove that it was beneficial or educational to the resident. So essentially, and, and, and I've confirmed this with residents that are in the program, it, it really was just a political move just to say, oh, they're trying to limit the hours, but any program can, can um, justify giving a resident more hours to work uh, above and beyond 80 hours a week. So, you know, the, the chiropractic radiology residency is, is easy compared to the medical radiology residency. Uh, but I also think the chiropractic radiology residency is, is a lot harder than chiropractic school. Uh, not, not what I thought before I applied and got into it. You know, I thought I was, I was pretty good at radiology. You know, I did pretty well in my radiology courses and I thought I was going to breeze through, but, uh, no, that, that's not what happened. Uh, I didn't breeze through and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought I could find a part-time job, pay off some of my loan money, but that didn't happen either. Uh, but it's a great learning experience. You learn a lot, you go through a lot, and uh, I think it makes you come out as uh, not only just a better person, but uh, knowing a little bit more about the human body and how we can help our, our fellow Kairos. What's uh, what's a daily in and out like for a DAC bar? I mean, are you do you also practice as well? You know, uh, so I'm... Can, can a DAC bar practice as well? You can, <laughs> well, I have an opinion about that, so... Uh, the first day of my radiology residency at LACC, uh, one of my uh, supervisors, John Bassano, he said, you know, do you know what DACBAR stands for? And I said, well, yeah, of, of course, you know, it, it's the diplomate of the American Chiropractic Board of Radiology. And a couple of seconds passed. He's like, well, no, that's not what it stands for. I'm like, what? You know, have I been misinformed all this time? It's like, no, it stands for don't adjust, can barely read. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So that was the, the tone of my whole uh, three years there that you should not be adjusting because if you did, that meant you weren't studying enough. And, um, you know, you really should be honing your skills in radiology. So it's uh, I mean, it's not really like that. I, I can still adjust people. I would prefer not. I think there are much better adjusters out there than than I am. And I'd say probably a good portion of DAC bars do a combined chiropractic, regular chiropractic practice uh, and radiology practice. Uh, I do 100% radiology. I, I just think it's, it's too hard doing both. Uh, you know, I, I know I'm good at radiology. I know I'm not that great at talking to people and managing them and, and adjusting them. So I'd much rather hone in on the stuff that, that uh, I believe I'm, I'm much better at. You know, in this case, yeah, I mean, obviously that's a niche that you've worked really hard for to become an expert in. So 
<clears throat> completely justifiable at that point. Yeah. Yep. Um, what sort of things do you, how do I word this question? What do you see? Let me see. Let me see. Huh. I, I'm trying to do it without being mean. <laughs> which, which everyone knows for me is kind of that, that that's not easy right so i'm kind of flummoxed here let's do it this way let's just skip ahead and say what are the top three things that a practicing chiropractor needs to understand about radiology or what top three things can they do to make sure that they are utilizing radiology in a proper way for the benefit of their patients okay uh well off the top of my head I was gonna go the other way and say what are people doing wrong but I I I I don't want to assume that what can people do better okay well I th I think one thing is and you know I don't want to come off sounding I'm trying to toot my own horn or anything but uh, I think a lot of people don't realize the training and experience that a Dakbar has even without you know, working because, you know, during the residency, it's, it's a full-time residency. And, you know, I, I went to LECC. I don't know how it is at, at other uh, schools, but it's probably similar. You know, I had to sign something saying I was going to work 50 hours a week minimum um, doing residency stuff, uh, which includes teaching and taking x-rays, reading x-rays. So, so there's, didactic training involved in the residency, but there's also experience at the same time. It's kind of like a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a preceptorship or a, what do you call it? That those auto mechanics do their- uh, Like an in, like a, a apprenticeship. Apprenticeship, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. So yeah, so not only are you just learning didactically and uh, out of books and, and stuff like that, or, or I guess now online, but uh, you're actually reading x-rays at the same time and, and having to converse and uh, help manage patients with the clinicians and the health centers and whoever else is sending x-rays to the school to be read. So by the time you're out, you, you have a pretty good idea of what's going on. Of course, there's everyone can always learn from more experience, but uh, it's actually a, a pretty good residency, uh, I think, uh, in terms of uh, just getting someone educated more uh, globally, I guess, you know, we kind of step a little bit out of the, the chiropractic world and we kind of go into the medical reality world. So we can kind of see what those guys are doing over there. Uh, so that's uh, one thing is, is maybe I think if some chiros realize that we have these other chiropractors, their colleagues that have, you know, a little bit extra training in this one subject area, and who are experts, uh, quote unquote, on in radiology. And, you know, the average chiropractor can probably read x-rays and probably do pretty okay with it. And, uh, you know, I, I like to say sometimes get away with it uh, with, with some of our chiros. But, you know, it's, it's always better, I think, to have specialists uh, in, the, in the area. So, you know, so the DACBAR is the radiology specialist. Uh, you know, maybe the the neurodiplomat is, is the neurology specialist. It's always good, I think, to have these these guys on your team. And, you know, when you're in trouble uh, or just as a routine process, uh, I mean, from a business standpoint, you know, I don't know uh, evidence to support this, but I think it 
would actually save time if you use uh, a radiology specialist and you know send all your x-rays out to be read automatically and you know work it into your your workflow and so that it doesn't really take up too much time uh, but it gives added value to the patient experience in your office that would be uh, kind of like my next question would be like when when what's the best practice for using a DAC bar uh, as a clinician? What would be sort of the <clears throat> the flags or the triggers to say I need one here, or what is the best practice as far as like you said utilizing them for every every film you get? Um, what do you think would be best practice for a clinician? Well. You know, I think it probably depends on the practice, you know. Um, you know, some practices, they come to me when they already have established workflows in how they handle their new patients and when they do the report of findings and stuff like that. So that the timing is an issue. I mean, thankfully now with, with digital, radiology, digital radiology, you know, you can have a stat report done within a few hours uh, or less. Um, I mean, my standard is is generally between 24 and 48 hours. And, you know, well, you know, like 10 years ago, that would be almost impossible to do with, with right. plain home radiography. So, um, yeah, it depends on practice. I mean, I think in a perfect world, you know, every x-ray should probably read by, by a radiologist, uh, you know, not necessarily maybe a DAC bar, but someone with, with radiology training and experience. Right. Uh, but of course, we're not in a perfect or idealistic world. But I think that maybe that should be something that that we all strive for. Well, the the thing that's not that's being unsaid here is that there are some people who utilize X-rays as a um, part of their sales process. I guess you could say. Yeah. And and they may or may not utilize a DAC bar in that manner because they need films in front of the patient right away. Right. So, you know, that's a, that's a part of the process I try to ignore and, you know, cause I, you know, I don't know really what goes on in, in the practice with, with a Cairo, you know, it's sometimes I'd like to say, you know, I don't really care how you practice, you know, as long as you're doing the right thing with radiology, you know, that mean you're reading it right or you're getting it read when you need to. Uh, and as long as uh, your you're collimating are, your films and then it's things yeah. are taken appropriately if you're taking your own films and yeah and and your patients are getting better you know if yeah. your patient you can show me your patients are getting better then okay I'm not gonna say anything about it you know and you know if, and I haven't always been like that you know at the get-go I you know there are a lot of chiros I just refuse to accept business from because I just did not agree uh, I don't know if it's philosophically or ethically, but you know, it, it it's been a, a, a different uh, or not a different, but a kind of a windy road, I guess, in, in my practice starting out as uh, being very medically oriented. And now I'm kind of, uh, I think out of necessity of business, I'm more middle minded, but I, I try not to involve myself in what's uh, the most appropriate uh, way to image people or well, I think you're one of the one of the I mean DAC bars are one of the experts in the field that can be completely agnostic to the process yeah I mean your yeah. job is to read the film you know not interpret or extrapolate how that film is going to be used but right. to read the film specifically is your job it's a pretty nice place to be 
sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you come up with your own ethical conundrums that you're locked inside of on any given day, you know? I do, I do. So that's one of our top three is don't is learn how to utilize a DAC bar appropriately. And I'm sure anyone could sort of contact you and be like, here's what I got going on. How can I use you to, yeah. to my advantage? Um, and understand what the, the, uh, deployment, the radiology deployment professional can do for your practice. And if it can help systematize things, make them simpler and get a better product in the end, uh, that's something that you want to look to. Do you got any others? So that was just one. Uh, yeah, maybe for the, the guys and gals that, that don't even have x-ray in their office, uh, you know, so most of my, um, Kairos that, that I work for have x-ray in their own, own office, but, you know, but I've got a good cohort that, that don't have x-ray in their office. Um, and they, you know, obviously they send them out to imaging centers or hospitals, uh, for not just x-rays, but other imaging MRIs or CT scans. And, you know, I used to think you could just rely on, on the radiology ports, but, uh, I've changed my tune as well. And I think you should look at your x-rays and MRIs when they are from an outside facility or from any facility, even of course, if it's your own, you should be looking at them. Um, and, you know, I have uh, several of my clients that believe that they should not be looking at them because it, it, it renders them liable. And <laughs> I'm like, well, no, you know, the, the x-ray or the MRI already has a report and you know, you should be showing the results to your patients and you should be able to at least convey to them what, what the report says. Uh, I think the, the problem comes when, when the chiropractor sees something unusual that's not mentioned on the report yeah. and, and feels that it is a significant finding. And uh, it may or may not be, but uh, some of them, I think, will be so sure that it's significant that, you know, they'll report to the patient and say, you know, oh, these guys, you know, don't know what they're doing, and uh, I need to get a second opinion. And, you know, I, I, I mean, that's okay, but I think a better way to handle it is to say, oh, you know, let me call these guys and see if they miss something. It may or may not be anything. Of course, it's a little more laborious process, but uh, so I, I do think you should absolutely look at the x-rays or MRIs uh, or any an imaging that you're getting from outside facilities, unless, you know, you have full trust and know that, you know, the guys are good and you're getting a good report, then, you know, maybe you can rely on the report. Um, and, you know, I realize I'm probably a little bit biased. You know, I get a lot of outside, well, everything I get is outside imaging, but uh, outside, outside imaging, you know, meaning not from a chiropractor office. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's it's more than 50%, that's for sure, where I find false negatives or false positives uh, on these radiology reports. And, wow. wow. Um, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I should do a study. I mean, granted, not all of these false negatives and false positives are, are clinically significant or right. I think are cl clinically significant. So, you know, they may not make a difference. Um, but, you know, for... For some of us, that, that makes a big difference. So, so how does that work from the side of the radiologist reading a film? I mean, do you really know what is clinically significant or not? In any case, wouldn't the responsibility be to report everything you see? Yeah, so that's, that's how I practice. I, I feel it's my responsibility to report 
whatever's on the image, you know, it's, it's not, I don't know what's going on with the patient. So I just report everything that I see that could be clinically significant. Uh, you know, if there's something on an MRI that I see is not reported on the original report, but I'm, you know, 95% sure that that could mean a change in how you're going to handle the patient, then, you know, I, I may give a little more umph, so to speak, in the report and say, oh, this finding is most likely the cause of the patient's right leg pain or something. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, my philosophy, I guess, is to report anything wrong on the image, any morphological change. You know, I have no idea whether it's, it's uh, related to the patient's complaint, but uh, that's my job is to report these findings. And, and, you know, it's a job of the chiropractor that I'm reading it for to take those findings and incorporate them into uh, how they're going to report it to the patient and into their patient management plan. Um, okay, so that's two. So we've got uh, uh, find out how a DAC bar can help you mm-hmm. and, and look into the benefits they can bring to your practice. Two, don't just, well, one, don't just say, see no evil, <laughs> hear no evil. Right. <laughs> Whatever. And, uh, and also read your own films. And if, if you get a sneaky suspicion that the reading you got from an outside, outside facility uh, is missing something, then you could start to utilize uh, a DAC bar for that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about three? Three. I'm having a hard time coming up with something. Well, well let me try to get you something. Okay. Uh, have, have the <laughs> guidelines for when to take a film, have they changed at all since, say, when I was in school and uh, Yoko Monroe ruled the day? So uh, trauma, uh, you know, older age, history of cancer, um, any of these sort of signs or symptoms numbness, tingling, or a patient's uh, severe concern that something's wrong, or some of them? You know, for, for x-ray, it really hasn't changed that much. Uh, I mean, there's been a couple of tweaks here and there, and, you know, all of these, uh, you know, criteria or guidelines that come out, they're, you know, they're not hard and fast rules. You know, we realize in you know, clinical practice that there's a little flexibility to them, yeah, but they've for X-ray they've they've generally remained the same, and uh, or actually gotten maybe a little bit. Uh, I was going to say worse, but it's really worse just for for radiologists. Meaning, for low back pain, you you generally don't need to image uh, at all within the first few weeks, right. um, and that is you know from the from the mainstream you know medical arena. You know, of course, uh, you know, we we're talking about before, you know, I, I also serve a, our other half of the profession. Uh, well, not quite half, but you know what I mean? You know, and they don't really have a whole lot of criteria for, for taking x-rays. So, um, you know, of course, so they don't follow those, those guidelines at all. And they have their own. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> I was totally thinking from a biased perspective that everyone sort of followed guidelines and evidence <laughs> like, like I would try to do. So sorry yes. about that. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, I would maybe say, well, you know, I kind of touched on it before. You know, I, I'm, I'm here to, you know, support radiology. This isn't really about you sending me business. I, I, the, the greater goal is is to have X-rays done by a professional. It, right. it could be a medical radiologist, but uh, you know, I've and there are some very good medical radiologists out there. 
but you know, why not support one of your own colleagues who knows what you're looking for and, and is more in tune with, with chiropractic clinical practice. Um, and, and I think if you work it right, which means you'll probably have to maybe tweak the workflow, patient workflow in, in your office, you know, it could actually save you time and um, maybe money, I, I think so. You know, we, we always say that the, you know, the most common lawsuit, and you know, I don't want to use lawsuits to scare people, but uh, I think people do it all the time anyway, so maybe that makes you feel a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the most common cause is failure to diagnose. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other things associated with diagnosing, but one a big thing is on x-ray is, is diagnosing these things. And we can't diagnose everything with an x-ray, but we can diagnose uh, quite a few things on an x-ray. You know, why not leave that part up to the radiology expert and pay them a few dollars and get another guy or gal on your team and, and do these uh, professional reports for you. And I, I somehow think patients appreciate it. I don't know for sure, but I think that... You can uh, make them. I mean, you could totally add value to that if you were to educate your patients that, uh, you know, we, we send all these films out to an expert, a, a board-certified expert to go over them to make sure we're getting the best uh, diagnosis and the best uh, result and the best picture of what's going on with your body. Uh, right. You know, I mean, with language, you can always build value into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, my, my suspicion is true then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, value is a, is a weird thing. Patients appreciate this stuff. You just have to tell them, I mean, obviously something like that, you don't want to keep behind the scenes if you're using a service like that. Um, right. You know, obviously it, it's, it's a, a powerful thing to have for the clinician but it should also be a powerful thing for the patient to understand as well that uh, we take these things seriously. We want to make sure that your health is our primary concern. Right. Uh, yeah, dude, there's totally ways that, that people can build value by using a DAC bar with their patients. Yeah. If you want to get all salesy and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so, not yeah. into the sales part, but yeah, that's, it's, I, I think it helps. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, did I come from it from just, having it be a more thorough exam you know x is just one yeah. small part of your exam right and you know if i can help it be a little more definitive uh if i can rule out a few more things and give you the Cairo, a little more confidence in what you're conveying to the patient then and you can get the patient a lot better that way the patient's more likely to trust you and stick to your proposed treatment plan then hey you know that that's great i, I i'd love to do that uh, that's what we're all about here. I mean, we I, each sort of person that has a, a field of specialty that I've interviewed, I'm always sort of trying to get them to tie back a, a systems approach, like how can you make these guys out in the field, how can you make their systems easier? You know, we interviewed uh, David Wiedemeyer concerning orthotics. I mean, I was so I was so concerned about the systems. Is there a system in place to make this functional and make the outcomes uh, better for the patients and, and, and ease of use for the doctors and things like that. Right. Uh, each, each person that comes along with a different thing, the clinic gym hybrid model with Josh Satterley is like, is there a system in place and can doctors implement the system? Can it make their lives easier? Can it increase outcomes for the patients? And can it increase profitability for the doctor as well? I think right. that's really important too. Yeah. Uh, and, and, 
these guys may or may not i don't i'm not in their heads have thought of that in in it before they talked to me but i bet to your bottom dollar that they started thinking about it after we talked oh yeah you know For sure um because that's how we sort of build this thing as we we go we build on our theme of forward or moving the profession forward is there's all these different ways to manage a patient clinically but now it's time to sort of systematize all that and put it into sort of like a i remember like voltron from when we were kids Mm. like the (laughs) the car that turns into the robot and you attach them all together so you got like the red cars the chest and then you got the yellow cars the head right you know you put or there were cars or were there lions? I think there were two different versions. Oh, you maybe. You put them all together and then they're one, just one big giant machine that, that takes on the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully it works. You know, hopefully it works and the arm doesn't fall off in the process yet. Yeah. That's a good um, analogy. <laughs> what, so have you, what is your personal experience with now that the American Chiropractic Association has joined in with the Choose Wisely program? And, and they've released their own features uh, or recommendations in the Choose Wisely program. And there's a couple that are focused specifically on radiology. Uh, what have you seen as far as the, the backlash or the complaint or the hubbub? Is there any, do you have a take on that? Before I say that, let me, uh, for the crowd, uh, lay out the radiology portions of choose wisely and choose wisely is a program program that is supposed to help patients choose uh, doctors uh, obviously wisely but in some sort of evidence-based or you could say uh, best practices based manner uh, and and each profession is sort of jumping onto this choose wisely program which is a nonprofit that puts all this together and the chiropractic portion was actually rejected multiple times chiropractic went to choose wisely and said we would like to participate in this program and they were rejected multiple times until I think, uh, I don't remember who specifically did it, but it was an orthopedic or neurologic profession or, or doctor specifically said, how can you, the, the chiropractic profession is coming to you saying, we want to be better. We want to provide better product for our, our patients. We want to provide a more evidence-based and streamlined approach to care. We want to do better by everybody and you keep rejecting us. How can you keep rejecting them and choose wisely had to tuck their tail between their legs and say, all right, what do you got ACA? And Mm. the ACA had like five recommendations Two look like they're related to radiology. One of them is in the absence of red flags, do not obtain spinal imaging for patients with acute low back pain during the six weeks after the onset of pain. The second one is do not perform repeat spinal imaging to monitor patients progress. That's it. What do you think of those two recommendations? You know, so it you know it goes back to, I think I mentioned it before. You know, what kind of chiropractor are you? And you know, I I have to kind of, I don't know if I'm trying to be politically correct or you what. Are. But, you are, you so are. I see I, what you're doing. <laughs> I I try to stay out of the decision making process of of when to and when not to take X-rays. Um, and you know, this has been also a, to be honest, what would you do about it anyways? If someone took x-rays inappropriately that you don't have any jurisdiction to be like, (laughs) Dr. Jones, this, this x-ray is taken for the wrong reasons. I am not going to read it. Right. And you know, so it it could affect my business too. So I try to stay out of it. I, you know, I I used to be, you know, very, you know, medically oriented and, and have a, a very 
a strict criteria on when and when not to take x-rays. And I would question why uh, these x-rays were being sent to me. And, uh, you know, sometimes it was met with a little bit of frustration and, and sometimes, well, I would never hear back from them ever again. So it, it didn't work so well <laughs> for me. So I, it's been a work in progress for me. So I, and, and you know, the, the, the DAC bars have been relatively silent about it. And I don't know if it's because, because you're afraid of losing business. We're right. We're afraid of losing business. If we're going to attach ourselves to one strict criteria, uh, or I know that, uh, it seemed like the, the DAC bars were not really consulted before the ACA kind of, um, you know, decided to go, to go head into it. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a bit of that. I'm not really involved with at that level with, with the ACA, but, uh, I mean, even yeah, within the ACA, you know, they, we have our, our radiology groups within the ACA, but I don't think they were really, they were not, they were not ACA's were. choosing wisely recommendations were developed by the association's committee on quality assurance and accountability and approved by the ACA board of governors. So it doesn't look like the radiology group was consulted or part of that game at all. Yeah, so I don't know, you know, I do feel a little slighted in, <laughs> in that regard. Uh, That's but fair. Yeah, just, yeah, it's fair to say that. So, yeah, so I try to stay out of it. I mean, you know, uh, you know, if, if you feel like you need to take an x-ray, and well, going a little bit deeper, and, you know, I'll probably get a lot of uh, backlash on this, is, you know, we really don't have a lot of, of data to show that low levels of radiation do harm and you know i would say well let's be conservative and assume it does do harm and so we need some type of criteria uh, you know we can't just blanket say let's just x-ray everyone and or you know going further why don't we just x-ray everyone because it's healthy and you know that just sounds ridiculous to me but i think there are chiropractors out there that that believe that so oh, it's all, it's, yeah, they do well my contention's always been that the argument here should not be about the danger of the radiology because it's not dangerous. So right. that argument needs to be taken off the table that we're not, that we don't want to x-ray people because of the harmful radiation, because that's not the case. So mm. if, you're, if you're making that argument, you're making a, an argument that's faced based on false premises. So you, we can't use that argument. So if anybody out there is saying we want to reduce the amount of imaging we're taking because of the, the radio radiological dangers, uh, stop being a moron. There's other arguments that are much more valid, but that's not one of them. Oh, okay. Oh, and then of course there are the people that say X-rays are healthy. <laughs> they picked up. There's like yeah. one study out there that was some sort of like hormesis or some sort of yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's not do that either. <laughs> yeah, that's a little too far over on the other side. So, so I yeah I'm I'm kind of in the middle, but hey, let's let's be conservative and just in case something, you know, let's, let's have a couple little guidelines that we can follow. So we're not just, you know, blanket X-raying everybody. Yeah. Well, the idea is, and, and we know why this idea exists. It's because um, some people with their technique, they utilize X-ray uh, as not just a, a quote unquote patient education tool, but as a sales tool, you know, they put the X-ray right. up on the screen, they point out all the stuff that's crooked they tell the person that because you're crooked there, that's why you hurt. Uh, mm -hmm. To make that thing uncrooked, it's going to take X, Y, and Z months or years or visits or whatever. Right. Based it on that. Now, whether or not they take post films to remeasure or not, um, some do, some don't. 
right you know they're sort of their technique or their whole world vision of how to make somebody better is based on that but our modern understanding of why people come in for care or why they seek treatment has uh, almost literally nothing to do with that most of the time yeah um, yeah now does that mean that those guys don't get results no they probably get results but it's probably not for the reasons they think they think right and um and this goes into that whole new it's not new sorry it's not new it's this whole biopsychosocial approach to care or pain and uh, you can you can put films up on a screen and point things out and scare the living crap out of somebody and that'll get them to sign up for your care mm-hmm. but you might also have a nocebo effect that is detrimental to them years into the future as they walk around and tell everybody in their family and start to live this life that you know they have a crooked spine or a bad back or whatever Exactly. And you see this in orthopedics all the time, too. I don't know how many new patients I get that say, oh, well, my ortho told me I have the knee of an 80-year-old. You know, it's a 30-year-old patient and whatnot. Yeah. That language is is not dangerous language. It's potentially dangerous language that we should avoid. Right. And, you know, some Carl's will argue, well, the, just like you said, the orthos do it all the time. And like, well, you want to model yourselves after yeah, that? Be better. No. Yeah, be better. <laughs> we can do a lot better. So, yeah, I, I, I share the same sentiment. I, I just, uh, you know, you, you, get to, that... you get to, you're fully allowed to uh, be agnostic about these topics. <laughs> I'm just pushing, I'm just trying to see where you're at, my friend. Oh. Because people come to me and they go, well, you got Cliff Tow speaking at your event? Yeah, he's great. He's, he's an expert. And they go, well, he's speaking at the, you know, the other people. Event. <laughs> yes. well, he can speak at all the events because he's, he's speaking about information. He's educating. It's radiology. Yeah, yes. It's just radiology. He's not, he's not doing a philosophy course. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. No, um, I don't know anything about that. So, so there's, there are people who are like, you know, they, they do that sort of thing. And, and there are people who get to get to be agnostic about issues. So we also have Jeff Langmaid speaking about uh, evidence yeah. and marketing to chiropractors, but he gets to be agnostic too, because it's about providing the proper information to people. Right. And uh, you know, maybe you pull somebody back out of the darkness. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but when you look at the ACA's other recommendations and choose wisely, it's really all about this biopsychosocial model. You know, it's like uh avoid uh avoid prolonged passive therapies right and palliative therapies because uh, we know with evidence that you got to eventually get people moving you have to have an right. active treatment plan themselves yes uh, you don't want them to become doctor dependent because that affects results it's uh you know if you're going to provide long longer term care you really need some sort of psych- psychosocial screening or assessment which we're not necessarily trained for mm-hmm uh, appropriately, but we can we can ish, uh, do the outcome assessment tools and measurement tools to to measure whether someone might need a psychological referral or consult um, because that will also affect long term outcomes and uh, you know reducing the amount of uses of braces and supports which also affect long term uh, benefits or effects of care. Yeah. You know, all these things are good for the patient. They might not be good for some people's offices. Right. If you've made a small for- fortune, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> selling lumbar braces to people, you're going to kind of be butthurt when they say you got to reduce that stuff. Yep. It is bad for the patient or, <clears throat> you know, you, if you're just all about getting the person face down on a table, but you, you haven't concerned the psychology of the scenario, 
and how they might be depending on you instead of becoming better, uh, better stewards of their own spines. You know, exactly. gonna, it, what Stuart McGill said to me once, and it's been the, the thing that probably he said to me that stuck the most, and he's going to be on our podcast in a couple of weeks, is he, he said, Bobby, it's not what you do for the patient who's right there in your office in front of you. He said, what matters the most is what you do for them that affects their health five or 10 years down the road. You got to think bigger picture. He said, how many people come to your office, you feel like you got them better and you never see them again. And he said, I'll tell you, they're out there wandering the streets, either in pain or looking for someone else to solve the problem. A lot of the time, no matter how good of a chiropractor you think you are, you're not fixing, you know, fixing, I'm using air quotes for that, people as well as you might think. Right. Um, and a lot of it has to do with this language and, and best practices stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, but you know, at the same time that that's uh, I mean, I hate to say it, it's almost like a hard sell to your patients. That's right there. You know, they want an, an immediate result. Right. Sooner the better, you know, they, they don't care where they're at five or 10 years later. Well, well it's like, that, that sounds like, uh, that's well, what I'm are the, what do the straight chiropractors say? Are you the doctor doctor? You know, are you going to be the doctor or what? Are you going to be the leader of the scenario? I, I mean, I totally get that personally. I, I understand. And, and sometimes people will walk in and eight out of 10 pain and yeah. you can see it on their eyes. And there is no time to talk about <clears throat> functional movement patterns or, or rehabilitation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, first things first, you got to be like, oh, <clears throat> Mr. Jones, you're in pain. Uh, let's get you into some manageable. Let's get you some pain management. Let's get your pain levels down. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how to keep this away from you so it doesn't happen again or something like that, you know? Yeah. But no, if you start talking about uh, the biopsychosocial, if you start talking pain science on day one with somebody who's, who's in sharp acute pain, you're, you've already lost that battle. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's a, it's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's any data out there, but kind of comparing, you know, I kind of see chiropractors as, concierge practices and and you see more of these medical concierge practices popping up these days and i wonder yeah. if the you know if you compare the two i think you would find a lot of similarities in, in practice styles and uh you know clinical decision making processes and it, i think it'll be that you'll find that they're more likely to not follow guidelines uh, oh, or absolutely you know, right and you know so because uh, it's a little bit more about about the the bottom line than it is at a hospital at a, or at a big uh, you know orthopedic group or something like that. Yeah, my previous practice uh, uh, with my partner Gary Forsman, MD, um, we were uh, uh, pay for fee for service only, you know, cash only. I guess you would say it. Mm -hmm. And um, no, seven or eight years. And yes, you tend to see it's more like circumstance, not guidelines. You know, it's not the training of the physician, right? It's the circumstance you find them in. So in a concierge type practice like that, they tend to start to do things on their own. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and yes, yeah, so, so Gary Forsman, who's an excellent physician, like he is a top notch internal medicine specialist who mm -hmm. was doing family practice. Um, but you would definitely see a lot of uh, nutrition sales in there. You know? mm, yeah. He, he would start to develop his own uh, supplement store within the practice. There was a store 
Oh, really? And so a lot of these patients were getting a prescription from him for supplements, and then they would go into the store, and then they would purchase the supplements. Hmm. Now, there's plenty of people ethically would say, well, that's not very ethical because he's, he's writing a prescription for the thing he's selling. Right. And it's like, yes, there's that, but there's also like there was no other place for people to access this stuff. Exactly. Uh, you know, so there's all these sort of things where it gets different and chiropractic's already been different. And you can see it in, you can see it in physical therapy too, as physical as the doctor of physical therapy is starting to mature and become a um, independent practice model. And a lot right. of the, not a lot, but there's definitely some of those guys that are breaking away from the hospitals and the medical groups and starting to do their own cash practices. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those guys are starting to say some interesting things. So I think it's the circumstance. Uh, I'm, I'm going to use the word quack affectionately, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I, you know, there's, I, it's an easy word for you to get what I'm saying. The, it's the circumstance that creates the quackiness. It's not the quack uh, living in a certain circumstance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Highly agree. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, if chiropractic had a residency program and, and the schools were attached to universities, we would be producing these clinician, clinician practitioners that would be nothing like what you see today. And part of the profession says, yes, let's do that. And I'm on that side. Yeah. The other side of the profession is like, we'll lose our, our identity, you know, our identity of quackiness, for mm -hmm. lack of better words, you know, our, <laughs> our identity of freedom to practice the way we would like to with our patients, which is code word you know <laughs> right yeah yeah it's 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 an interesting place we're at in our it's not profession. the profession though it's just it's human beings it's it is human yeah beings. human nature and it's it's the market and it's uh you know there's a, a small subset of people that are looking for this because everything else has failed them and uh, there should be i mean i people sort of get on me because i'm i'm sort of anti straight chiropractor but i'm really not like i think if you can practice that way i think you'll get plenty of people better and i think there's effective ways to do that i'm more like anti unethical behavior which tends to happen more in my eyes on that side of the profession as far as the salesmanship the scare care mm. the 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 non evidence-based use of tools in the practice that you use to sell product like like the sub subs the you know the scanner things yeah you know, without saying names that you use, they have no efficacy, no validity to them whatsoever, but you sell that to a patient as the answer uh, for, for a tool to sell your, your product. Like I'm anti that stuff, but I think if you were truly a vitalistic, holistic um, person and you were practicing on that philosophy, I think that philosophy is great. Uh, chiropractic is a, is a profession of conservatism and holism. Right. So I think I yeah. just went on a little rant there, but I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate that other side whatsoever. I mean, some of the language there is, is tough and uh, is. There, there is a lot of moron action going on over there. Like you, you could do, you could be vitalistic, but at least educate yourself in the process and, and refine your, your understanding of the world around you instead of just buying this one product that you call chiropractic philosophy and then never revamping it throughout your entire life. Yeah. You know, I think I'm sorry, our, Cliff, you shouldn't be in any of these conversations. These, these are not, you know, no, this, that's okay. well, it's, it's something that 
you know, we is it's like the big elephant in the room when whenever we're at some chiropractic meeting or or on a podcast like we are now. Yeah, I imagine you just have to sit there with your hands folded and just sort of smile and nod your head. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I you know, I come. I don't know if this is because I'm Canadian. You know, I was born and, and raised in Canada, and I I you know, but I don't know, I guess back then it, it just seemed like everyone got along, you know, why can't? Well, that's because your Canadians all get I, along, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. So, like, you know, it's so hard to have a conversation for these almost diametrically uh, opposed groups to have a conversation because the, the emotions tend yeah. to run high and then there's, you know, the ad hominem attacks and uh, yeah. stuff like that. And, and then it never is able to, we're never able to come to a, a mutual conclusion. So, I mean, I still hope, uh, it's, I mean, we have existed for what, over a hundred years, uh, I guess, existed. I, I think each group thinks they're being with held the same back. argument. Yeah. With the same argument going on for the last hundred years. <laughs> yeah. Each, each group thinks the other one is destroying their profession. Right. You no. Know, so I, I don't necessarily think we're destroying the profession or the other group is destroying it. Uh, you know, maybe they're holding us back and, and we're, uh, I don't know, progressing and, and adding things to our toolbox, which I never thought was a bad idea, you know? So, uh, I don't know. I, I like you. You know, I, as long as people are getting better, I, I'm even a little more standoffish on on the questionable tools they use in practice. I, I I prefer to be agnostic there as well. I think you know, you know, what is that thing you're using? I've tried it on myself, and you know, I don't I don't really notice any difference. But hey, they swear by it, and it surprises me how these things can exist and thrive and for so many years that must have some kind of, uh, um, you know, benefit to, to keep them going. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to, to analyze for me. And, and again, I, I just try to not get into it. And so there's a lot of things I'm, I'm like you say, agnostic to. I'm jealous. Yeah. I am jealous of your no. agnosticism. <laughs> no. I've, Where do I've I sign up for a Dakbar program? I'm, I'm still <laughs> No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did in school. I was, I was really solid at radiology. I just said, you know what? Another four years. I don't know if I can do it. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's not easy, but uh, I think it's very rewarding. And, but then I think of the four, how much money I made in my four years, first four years of practice. <laughs> like I probably would have made better money as a resident. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> We'll compare. We'll compare uh, when we we'll meet up. Later, Speaking of yeah. meeting up, um, what do you intend to talk about at Forward KC? Oh, Are you just so going to give your regular old spiel, the thing you do town to town? No, it'll be. I, I try to tweak it to to the crowd I'm at. Uh, I mean, we can talk about how specific the tweaking is, and you'll probably find it pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I'll just give a, a kind of like I usually do kind of a general overview of radiology and kind of show people, oh, it, you know, because we're kind of used to radiology within the chiropractic world and, you know, I try to give people an idea of what happens outside of our chiropractic world and, and what's going on out there. Maybe are there any new changes in the imaging world that, that we, some of us have probably seen, but a lot of us probably haven't seen. And, you know, can we use that to help better diagnose and help better uh, treat our patients or, or help better manage them? Um, and then, but probably most of the stuff will just be interesting cases I get from chiropractors, uh, you know, stuff they send me that, you know, they don't know what it is, or I don't know what it is. Uh, but you know, 
more importantly, you know, what do we do with, with this finding we see on an x-ray? You know, do we take another x-ray? Do we get the patient out of the out of our office and into the ER or or is it just no big deal and we can just treat them as as normal? So I like to call it the, the good, bad, or ugly. Those are like the three categories of diagnoses you should have. Is it a good diagnosis? Is it a bad one? Or is it just ugly? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I try to not dumb it down, but make it simple and digestible for, for people to get in, in something that they can hopefully use Monday morning. Do you have a secret file of films that you have collected with, uh, I call it the fell on it files? Fell on it? Meaning- yeah. Meaning that there's just tons of films of things in people's rectums because they quote unquote fell on them. <laughs> Don't all radiologists um, have a secret file? The secret file of the of the fell on it stuff and the the weird and wacky and terrifying. Well, you know, I do have a secret file, but it's not that secret. I it's I call it my cool case list. Okay. And uh, so I haven't seen that many. I'll call them live fell on it ones. You know, all the ones <laughs> that I have that I put in some of my presentations are ones that you can find online, and there are. I mean, I mean, some of them are pretty questionable. I don't know if they're photoshopped or what, but there are hundreds of examples out there. If you've ever Googled it yourself, you know, it's, it's well, the in, yeah, the incident of just randomly falling on uh, phallically shaped objects <laughs> is pretty That's high in I, America. I don't know how it is in Canada, but is, people are falling stuff all on, onto stuff all the time around here. I think they should study it. The, the <laughs> One of my friends who's a tech at a hospital said they – Typically, yeah, there, there's there's no admittance to their uh, you know phallic desires. They oh you know I just I sat down and all of a sudden this coke yeah. bottle was was this garden was gnome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who put it there and it just happened to be in the right was like, orientation. Yeah and... <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly. Well, gravity is like nine point eight meters per second squared, but if you get near anything that's shaped sort of like a uh, fun then gravity speeds up, you know, it does. It does. So, uh, yeah, but I, so I have some of those, but they're not live cases, but I do yeah. keep a cool case list for, um, like, you know, I do these weekly quizzes online, uh, on Facebook and LinkedIn and try to Sweet. do a little bit of, uh, uh, education that way. Before we head out, how can people find that Facebook stuff? Oh, they can, uh, you know, they can Google me or, or search me on Facebook. Cliff Tau, DC Dakbar. Uh, same thing on LinkedIn. And if you Google me, I'm sure. Actually, I think if you Google Dakbar, I, I come up as uh, at least on the first page somewhere. What? I know, isn't it crazy? So um, I think I'm out there. Uh, um, I mean, out there online or, or whatever you want, cyberspace or whatever people call it these days. So yeah, just uh, type in my name and uh, Dakbar, and I I think I'll pop up and. Uh, I generally am pretty good at, at replying to people. You can call me, you can email me, you can Facebook message me, LinkedIn. You are, message. You're, you're responsive. You're accessible for sure. And if anyone wanted to sort of ask how they can access your services and all that, um, they can go about the same methods. Yep. Website exactly. and all that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Give it out, man. This is your commercial. Oh, what do you want me to give out? Your uh, website, website, your web address. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, www.clifftowdcdacbr.com. 
Um, you're awesome. I would like to be your friend someday. Maybe. I'd like to think I'm your friend now. <laughs> I would like to think I'm your friend too. So hey. I, I can't uh, wait to meet you in about two months. Two at, uh, in quick Kansas months. City, man. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me, and thank you for putting this uh, Ford KC thing on. I, I'm sure you think it's a lot more work than you had anticipated. So um, <laughs> uh, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I applaud you for that, for diving in head first, and but at the same time, getting it done, or at least it seems like from the outside that you're getting stuff done. It's getting done. Yeah, it's getting done. It's it's actually pretty fun. I'm a I'm I'm an ADD guy, so I got to have all kinds of fun stuff going on at once. All um, right. So, so it's been pretty fun. It is a, a, a mammoth amount of work to put on an event of this magnitude, mm -hmm. um, but we need it. It's got to be done. It does. And well, we needed you here. You were top on my list of presenters. So I'm glad you said yes. I'm very honored to be a part of it and love to do it again. And uh, if you are listening to this and you're not going, you suck and you need to buy a ticket. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Uh, thank you very much. Dr. Tao, I uh, will talk to you soon. And um, that's all I got. So thank you. You're welcome.